Deplorable Nation, a podcast where your voices can be heard, where things that affect you and your family are important, because it's important to all of us. Every one of us matters and everybody has a voice. We're going to be bringing you news, current events, and throw in a lot of humor. And then you decide for yourself. Hello and welcome to another episode of Deplorable Nation. This is episode number 63, No Restrictions. And today I have a very special guest on here with me. I'm super excited to talk to fantastic, superb human being, Mr. John Paul Rice. How are you, my dear? Janet, it's wonderful to be with you. I know that when we first connected by phone, that we were going to have a good show no matter what we talked about. That's exactly right. So I'm great. (laughs) How are you? I am fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. So tell everybody like a little bit about you Mm -hmm. and what your background is and and what do you do? Okay. Well, um, for the people that would know me best or would want to find me online. Uh, My background is a Hollywood film producer in the independent film world, which is non-studio. I lived out in Los Angeles for 19 years. I went out there as an actor after working on the film, Remember the Titans with Denzel Washington. I was one of the Titan football players, got cast in that. And that, Totally changed my life. I was in college working in business. And prior to that, I was a successful salesman from the age of 17 to 21. I had made four and a half million dollars for a company. Um, I was an entrepreneur and I started from ground zero at $500 in my wallet with two credit cards and a floor to sleep on, like so many who go to LA. Mm-hmm. had a dream to be a star. <laughs> and in that time, I had a journey that led me out of acting into the business of film, but I always kept my creative dream and ended up working with a Latino writer-director, Edgar Michael Bravo, and we ended up producing seven films in approximately, a, I'd say, 12 years from 2008 till now. Um. On a more personal note, I had a spiritual awakening uh, that I think, in retrospect, like all of our lives, really, it's not so much building to something, but that everything was a dress rehearsal for the next moment. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Yeah. And um, I would say in 2016 had major disappointments politically with Bernie Sanders, not because I was a socialist communist, but because I had been waking up since 9-11 and didn't really see the full picture like everybody or many do now or in different steps, different ages, different times. Everybody kind of saw what was going on. 
I had major heartbreak and personal disappointment because I knew that they had rigged the election beyond just the superdelegates and everything else, but I actually saw the actual data uh, where he won 70, 60 to 70, I'm saying this conservatively, 60 to 70% of the vote from Iowa all the way to California and Washington, D.C. And then when Donald Trump got elected, um, I had my world shattered only because I only saw one side of the equation, didn't see the other side of the equation, and went on a journey to uncover the reality of this world as far as the world of history and knowledge as it had been presented to us and learned so many things. It led me all the way to human trafficking of small children, which was a very ugly and disturbing topic that was not easily processed. But um, in 2017, I found my way into a very dark world that my business partner and I uncovered through FBI testimony documents, court documents, books, and personal firsthand testimonies of people both online and offline. And it was probably the awakening that I needed to begin understanding the world that we live in but it also gave me greater insight into my own child abuse. Uh, My abuse was not just in, it wasn't really in Hollywood. It was in my own family. And it led me into a spiritual awakening in 2019. And that has continued to unfold along with not so much the knowledge and events of the world, but the deeper meanings of life and existence and I'm summarizing that because that's really not a story so much as it is the overall trajectory of things. And here we are today. And I think that um, like even from the conversations <clears throat> that we had on the phone uh, prior to recording, you know, every, I think every human being that has an awakening um or has a a spiritual uplifting, I'm going to say, because awakening is is a term that's loosely thrown around for some people, Mm -hmm. Um, but a spiritual uplifting, and it can be absolutely anything that that triggers that, Um, whether it be, like you said, abuse, or um, whether, you know, you're seeing news stations fake, like, how awful a storm is, you know, and then people are doing cartwheels behind them or, you know, (laughs) whatever, whatever the case may be. I think Mm -hmm. everyone has that um, um, uplifting moment where it shifts their being and changes their life. And I always say that any kind of change like that is always a change for the good and Mm -hmm. for the betterment of yourself. Because when those kind of things happen, you can actually see the world more clearly. Mm-hmm. 100%. Um, in short, it's the false illusion, both of our own self-protection mm-hmm. or projection, I should say. It is self-protection right. too. Sure, but it is. It's, it's a reflection of the internal and the external simultaneously. Right. Um, and so... 
what I what I came full circle into this was that uh, it's not so much the outside world that doesn't make sense, but it doesn't make sense to us in the inside world because it hasn't been truly lived and reconciled. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I've looked at several examples of this uh, throughout history, and there are patterns in it. And somebody that um, I really admire, although I've never met, is Ian McGilchrist, who um, has mapped, he's got two, well, three books out there, but one that the master and the emissary, for anyone who's really interested, you could find his work on podcasts as well. The depth of his knowledge and research really points to a deeper meaning of existence that is not found in words alone, but it's it's about our right and left hemispheres of our brain, which is not to say the political right and left, and right. that it's separate from each other, but mm-hmm. that it's a co-creator. It's a, the easiest way to look at it is sort of like the Jedi master, Obi-Wan Kenobi and his Padawan apprentice, uh, Anakin Skywalker, um, that the master is the one with the knowledge and the understanding, the, the, the deeper meanings based on a series of factors. And then the young Padawan learner is the one that is going and saying, you know, give me, give me the, give me the information that I need to go out and search and, and bring back to you this, this knowledge and information. But we're in a time where the, uh, where Anakin Skywalker is becoming Darth Vader. He's becoming, he thinks he's better than his master and he's becoming tyrannical and evil. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, that's a very short kind of anecdotal way of looking at it, but I had to look at that in myself as well, as well as in relation to the world and all the things that I couldn't understand. I had to try to find understandings, not just on the political sphere, but on the human deep psychological levels and philosophical levels that had universal truths in all of them, the divine truths. That's really where it led me. So people often say that conspiracy will lead you to spirituality mm-hmm. and that spirituality is not a destination. It's a continual journey into the unknown, into chaos while trying to make sense of or establish order. Uh, I don't really know the conclusion of that whole thought that I was talking about, but <laughs> I guess what I want to say is that it's it's that this time has required so many to seek a higher understanding or a deeper understanding, and that the outside world has less and less meaning for people, which is why we have record numbers of suicides, record numbers of depression, anxiety, drug overdoses, um, child abuse, statistics that typically we don't look at in society until after the fact or until they've been told to us that we need to address. And usually it's a very mechanical solution. Right. So, so I had to go deep within and I had to face the emotional reality that truth of my childhood, which was extremely painful. But at the same time, it was something that I had already survived so that I could bear, I could bring to bear all that I had 
in each moment to be able to heal that trauma in steps. And as I did so, I found deeper understandings of not only myself, but uh, seeing myself in other people and seeing those people in me. Mm-hmm. And I think you're you're spot on with that. And <clears throat> there's so many um, people out there that are like definitely dealing with or struggling with like, how do you come to terms with things? How do you get a grip on your self-worth and your, um, you know, purpose, I guess you want to say. And I think that um, going on a spiritual journey like that and doing uh, self-work brings people full circle into being able to love and accept themselves even for any good or bad that's that's ever happened to them and understanding that there is a lesson for us to learn in everything whether it was bad or good and it, those are things that you definitely can use to help you on your inward journey a hundred percent um i kind of when when I talk to people who may be, I wouldn't say at the beginning, but are trying to understand things at a, a deeper level, what I try to share with them is the practical that they can relate to. And I say, well, it's kind of like this. If you, if you look at your life as a movie, not that you're just in the movie today, but that it's like reading a book or looking back through, quote, time, Rather than look at the story as you once lived it and judged it through your story that you've told yourself, which is not wrong, it served you quite well in order to get here. But if you go back and you look at it, it's it's like no different than reading a book for the second time through new eyes. Mm-hmm. Your experience is your greatest teacher. Your lived experience is what you can derive meaning from on a deeper level that is reflection. It really reflects your work. It, you know, all the things that we talk about are passions, meaning, purpose. Um, The outside world will offer you many illusions and avenues to go down, not because it's necessarily uh, consciously intended to be that way. In fact, the truth of the matter is if you look at everyone in the participation of this reality, it's the conscious and unconsciousness that's co-creating it simultaneously. And, And yet at the same time, each one of us individually and uniquely is searching for answers within our own time and space. Uh, I had to step back and stop making so many you know, there was enough judgment, uh, enough attachment and resistance in my own life for permanence that I, that I sought to find. But, uh, really what I had to do was I had to go outside of myself and look and see that I was no different than anybody else who's ignorant or judgmental or, um, I guess aggressive in the sense of, I needed to stake my identity in relation to the outside world. Everybody else had it all wrong. I was the one who was right. Of course, Mm -hmm. that if you go a little too far on that spectrum, you become narcissistic and have no self-reflection. 
I still, I, I mean, I'm not defining narcissistic personality disorder as the for like either or, or, but I think that in some ways what it came down to is that the child in all of us who has been denied our true power and love uh, has a void there that the world will come in and offer something to, to fill. Right. And, and that's where we, that's what experience really teaches you in the way that you can look back on your life and find the divine in almost everything that was there. It's not about judging it as bad or good. Mm-hmm. It's seeing it for what it is. And then understanding that when you strip down all the labels in the story, that if you're looking at it from a lens of trauma, trauma is trauma to trauma. In other words, Trauma creates that for which we are seeking an answer for, yet we'll look outside of ourselves in order to find. And whether you believe it's a conspiracy or not, that the unconscious man is seeking power in this world is a person who is devoid of of the true power that they have and has forgotten what they truly are. They're a soul. And when they came into this world, before all the troubles began, they were a child of God. And they always have been, but we've forgotten that. Mm -hmm. And so it's not so much of us looking forward and seeking outside of ourselves and seeking the, the destination that we wish to arrive at as we do when we're younger, but it's actually looking back and remembering what we are. And that is so true. And, you know, for a long time, like the way I lived my life when I was a lot younger than I am now, it was like I had trouble focusing on anything good. Um, And I think a lot of people do. And it was like, why does bad stuff always happen to me? And it's always one thing after another. And how come this person doesn't want to be friends anymore? And how come this relationship didn't work? And it wasn't until I had a near-death experience that that completely changed for me. And my outlook is literally always sunny and it's always you know even if something happened that i may not like i'm like well there's a lesson in it okay well that'll teach me like what not to do or what not to think or what not to say or whatever like i use everything in my life as a teachable moment Mm -hmm. and nothing gets me upset anymore like nothing i'm like you know, even if everything seems to be going wrong that day, it's it's something that I can laugh off and be like, okay, well, um, what could I have done different today? Or what is the world trying to tell me? What's God trying to tell me that I'm missing? And I always have to sit down and think about like what's happened during that day and and could there be a good outcome for me even crappy stuff that happens, you know, because I, I mean, that's happened a lot where like you really, really want this job and you don't get it. And then you come to find out later, it is a blessing in disguise. You didn't get it. 
You know what I mean? Everything happens for a reason and for a purpose for me. That is the hardest thing to accept because we have our own ideas about what we think should happen. And oftentimes we tell ourselves a story that um, satisfies what many people call the ego. And Mm -hmm. what I try to explain for people, because you say the word ego and it's very subjective to the person hearing it. But right. really what it is, is it's your inner child. Uh, well, it's not your inner child. Your, your child self protecting itself. It's trying to come in and defend itself from the danger or the judgment or the, um, I guess <clears throat> in my case, it was a, it protected me from, the truth because I didn't have truth in my childhood. And so, you know, when, when I had to defend myself against two alcoholic parents who were sexually abusing me in different ways, uh, the child had to become the parent Mm -hmm. and had to, um, be right. Right. So, It's exactly what you said, though, in the sense that you go with the flow rather than try to fight against uh, something and then make something your enemy because you didn't get what you wanted. Right. There's there's something that I learned um, about the teachings of or the works of Alice Miller. And for those who are not familiar with her... She's written several books. She's no longer with us today. She died in um, 2011. But Alice Miller was a psychoanalyst who had grown up during Nazi Germany. She had a mother she later discovered in life who uh, sexualized her as a child, took naked photos of her on the bed, and um, she became a psychoanalyst that went up against the establishment of you know the Freudian type uh, mm-hmm. psychoanalyst who, who came out of Tavistock. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and who had a mentor. She even mentioned this in one of her books that he was on the brink of discovering a correlation between suicide and depression in children and sexual abuse committed by the parents. But he had a mentor and this is a complicated story, but essentially what his mentor did was he um, prevented him from publishing the findings. And that mentor, um, it turns out, had a uh, child himself, a 13, I think it was a 13 or 14-year-old son. He told Freud, no, no, it's, it's not the, the parents that are causing the problem, it's the child. And they came up with this, I think it was the Oedipus or... Oedipus. Oedipus complex yeah. where the boy desires, you know, the mother and the the girl desires the father and wants to, you know, get rid of the other parent. Um, It turns out that that was total BS. Um, The man who informed him was in fact uh, having, well, incest with his son and his son ended up committing suicide. So Freud you know, whether it's conspiracy or otherwise, that was the effect of that. And that study never got published. And Miller pointed that out. What people try to uh, attack Miller with, and I mean, I 
don't defend anybody's abuse of their own children, but her own son has said that, you know, she abused him. Um, I tell people this, if you think you're going to find the deepest meaning and answers from people uh, who are goody two shoes and got it all above board and read it out of a book and can give you the meaning of something, you're kidding yourselves. Um, That doesn't mean it absolves her of her um, abuse that she did to her son, but she was trying to find the deeper meanings through her own work and her clients. And so what she she said was um, very profound was it was basically like this Um, the child when it's born has what's called healthy narcissism we tend to think of narcissism as a negative thing but there's a period in the child's life when it's born because it's completely helpless that it needs the mother and father in order to live. And so uh, its needs are are expressed non-verbally. Pleasure or let's say joy really and discomfort. And so it lets you know non-verbally when it's hungry or when it needs to be changed, so on and so forth. The truth of the matter is, is that on a deeper psychological level, the child is in a hypnotic delta and theta brainwave state. And therefore, and we're talking about every child that was ever born and 7.9 billion people today whose mother and father, when that child looks up, it sees its mother and father's face. They are God. And the child does not know what it is. It doesn't know it's a baby. It doesn't even know its name. Uh, all it understands is that this these entities are attached to it. It doesn't see its separateness from, like, you're a mom and dad in parent form that are people in the world, but the, to the child, you are a part of it. It is connected to you. Mm-hmm. So for that first year and a half, it has no distinction between the separateness of the parent and the child. And everything that that child experiences, everything that is spoken to it, everything that is done to it, every vibration in the environment around it is absorbed and downloaded into that computer, the subconscious mind. There is no decisions made. There are no choices made. It has no choice, especially for the first seven years of its life. And when I got into human trafficking of children and understood that this is committed by pedophiles and psychopaths, I had to go into the psychology of what created them in childbirth. Mm-hmm. And I looked into the dark occult and what they do to their children. And Jay Parker, who is a satanic ritual abuse survivor and a child of the Illuminati, uh, has detailed this. He was, as a child, I'll just give you one example. He was hung upside down for 18 hours and electrocuted with a car battery so that he would cry out to God to come and save him. But then that whole program was to disassociate himself from his body and realize that God wouldn't come and save him. Right. Um, 
the the mother when he was born the moment he opened his eyes coming out of that womb and met the eyes of his mother which is the soul bond uh, she frowned at him to imprint that negative energy Mm -hmm. Uh, these people are very well attuned to human psychology and behavior and know how to modify it on a level that most of us are not even capable of understanding. But the, the whole point of telling you this and sharing this is that we need to become aware of the fact that we are born into this world, a soul and a child of God. And we need to begin to see all of our children this way and each other, including ourselves and realize the magnificence, the preciousness and the beauty that is within each and every single one of us uh, before all the troubles began. Uh, I had to do that with my mother and father who, you know, if you were to look at them as children and see their pictures as young men and women, you could never imagine the horror that these people did to four of their children. I was the last one, and that was when uh, their mental illness was full-blown. And surviving that and living through that was only one part of the equation, but coming full circle having lost both of my parents and granted I'm not here to retell the story of what happened in 2019 with me on a spiritual level, but I can tell you this, there is a God and there is a creator of heaven and earth and he has a son in Christ that is not in books or in a church. Uh, it is beyond words. And it brought me back to my father at his time of death. And I loved that man unconditionally for which I had every reason to hate him and want him dead. And uh, it wasn't that I cried over the guilt and shame and the blame that I could not fix him or save him or what he did. I saw him for the child that he was born to be, and I came to honor both of them for the two children that they came into as this world and knew that they could not have ever conceived of any of the horror that happened to them, let alone what what they would then do to their own children. Um, I know that's a hard place for a lot of people to go who have had parents that have abused them, but um, it's not a thought alone. It's a place in your heart. And it's, it's sort of like this. It's like their suffering was my suffering. My suffering was their suffering. And I could love them because that was that was the very thing that I wanted for them for which I was denied. And it was the very thing that they wanted for which they were denied. And I decided that I was going to end this crap in my bloodline. It ran in my family before it ran into me. And I had to look at kind of like what you said earlier, Look at all that you had been through in the horror and or the bad or the good mm -hmm. and see it as something that was brought to you so that you in this lifetime could do something to transcend that and make it to basically bring the truth back into being, to make the truth new again right. and give it life 
and to honor them in the way that and all of your ancestors that came before you, not because you owed them anything, but that you took it upon yourself to say, I will not let this cause me to become what they could not do, which was to heal. And that's really what this time is about. It's a time to heal. And, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't have said it any better um, because when you finally let go of all the pain and the anger and the hurt um, that the trauma has caused you and realize, you know, that you, you can let it go, your life improves drastically. And that goes for, you know, um, people that are assaulted or abused or have PTSD or, you know, from a burglary or whatever the case may be. If you can get yourself to that point where you can forgive and make it into um, a release for you, your healing goes leaps and bounds to move you toward back toward the spiritual place. And I think a lot of people nowadays like that have lost their faith and lost it completely. It is because of some kind of trauma that they suffered. Um, Or for some people, it's like, you know, my, my mom was sick or my dad was sick and they, you know, they passed away and God didn't save them. That's not his job. His, his job is to take care of you <clears throat> while you are on this earth and to call you home when it's your time to go. And it's up to you as a person to be prepared for that, not just for your own life, but from the loss of a family member or friend or something, because death happens, bad things happen, but you have to arm yourself spiritually and realize that um, things that you do can make a difference. And even if you do something to change just yourself, that's a step in the right direction. But if you do something to change yourself and other people as well, and you make an impact on someone else's life, even if it's one other person, you've done your job. Mm-hmm. You're doing what it, you're called to do. And that's helping other people. Yeah, that's, um, there's something you, uh, you mentioned about death and this is a very difficult topic, you know, for people because Mm -hmm. it's, um, it's something that we're all in some ways faced with because there is a, there is a conclusion to this human life and existence and right we don't really get to call when that is, right? I mean, there's what we think life is and then there's what life is and then there's what life happens. Mm-hmm. And as somebody, uh, I guess, I can speak to this only because, and I, I wish to share it uh, deeply, is that I have always had since I can remember as a child, a fear of dying. Mm-hmm. Part of the reason is because the abuse that I went through was that horrific 
in moments. Right. Um, and let me say, let me step back and say this, that the, regardless of what your understandings are of the world in today's time and what you know to be true and what you, what you think, um, COVID-19 last year brought upon the entire world of 7.9 billion people the fear of dying. Right. Whether you believed it was true or not, whether you know it to be true today, that energy was unleashed in the collective consciousness of right. human humanity, unlike never before. On a mass scale, the speed and scope of which cannot be measured before this time. And when you look at the result of all the carnage, I'm not talking about COVID deaths. I'm talking about the suicides, the drug overdoses on down the line, record numbers, 150 million people by the end of this year, according to the World Bank, are going to move into extreme poverty, most of which are women and children. Okay, this is the great disruption. It's not the great reset. It's the great disruption. Mm -hmm. All of our illusions were destroyed. Um, what the people at, I want to say at the very, very, very top that are not seen in our political theater, they know human psychology and minds very, very well. They know right. your subconscious mind has 10 laws that govern it. Most people don't know that. That's why they're able to program people on television because they're actually using uh, brainwave frequencies. Mm -hmm. right. And that sounds a little conspiratorial, but when you get into it's the- not. It's not. No, <laughs> it's, it's not, not. It's not for this audience it, at all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just, there's been so much evidence out there. It's ridiculous at this point. Okay. So the fear of death is what creates their world into reality and holds us into their matrix. Right. And when you fear dying, what you're really fearing is life. Because death in its mortal form is, a fa is in fact a... It's... We can view it as an adversary or we can view it as an ally. Mm -hmm. And because the messaging is that it's an adversary, we're trying desperately to avoid pain and death at all times. We're giving, we're giving uh, sedatives to people to sedate them. We're giving pills to cure things, but really not cure them to treat them. Mm -hmm. So in other words, is to put an illusion on top of illusion while projecting an image of reality outside of yourself that you are pursuing in order to be something in this world, to be a player, if you will, on the stage of the world. And because that energy and that pull is so strong, uh, even if people are aware, the psychological 
pulls on that are driving us to avoid that pain and avoid that death. Now, I'm not sitting here talking about becoming a martyr or that you should embrace death today because you're wrong about if you don't, but it's a natural process. And rather than be a tragedy, it should be a celebration. Mm -hmm. And that's, it's funny because that's the way that I look at it. And, you know, I get that question frequently and people are like, you're not afraid. And I'm like, no, because my life has been great for the most part. I mean, I've had a lot of trauma and tragedy and, and stuff like that, but I, I can't ask for anything better. I have an amazing husband. I have wonderful kids. Um, I have great friends. Uh, I have a awesome podcasting community, you know, and people that I interact with every day. My life is good. I'm blessed. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I get to see this, this beautiful world and beautiful nature every day and stuff. And so I'm happy and I'm honored and I'm blessed that I'm even allowed to be here the time that I am, you know, mm-hmm. and, I, and that's really hard for a lot of people to, to get to that point. Yes. But, but it's, it's like second nature to me because it's just, you know, accepting like all the beautiful, wonderful things in your life and in your world and everything that's around you to be thankful for. I I couldn't ask for anything better. I wanted to ask you a question, but before I do that, I wanted to tell people that Jordan Peterson's 12 rules for life, um, whether you take them literally or on a spiritual level, that is probably the starting point for many people that need to hear that message um, because it really is the environment in which you surround yourself with that is a mirror uh, into yourself. Amen. Um, and he is talking about, you know, I, I mean, it's making your bed, cleaning your room, making a room in your house beautiful. These are reflections of your internal being. Mm-hmm. Um, and we take these things for granted. I wanted to ask you, Janet, um, in your life, whether you want to get into this deeply or not, where was the turning point for you? Because it's not like you come to these conclusions very lightly in your life, but what were the, what were some of the major turning points for you that allowed you to start to begin to see things as more precious and beautiful and go beyond the judgments and the stories that you had lived before? Well, you know, it's weird because um, I grew up in Catholic church. I grew up in Catholic school. Um didn't get anything out of it while I was going at all. And it's something you were just expected to do, you know, but I've always been very spiritual in nature, always believed in God. But like when you're younger, like they pound it into your head, you have to be in church. You have to attend church. That's where your connection's going to be. And it wasn't until really early in my 20s where 
I realized that it's not about the building. Um, it's about my personal connection with God. And if I'm doing everything that I can to not only for me to be better, but to help other people be better. Um, and from there, I, I know it's weird, but it kind of led me like into business first. And I was like, this is not where I'm supposed to be. And then, you know, it moved me into nursing and that like completely, you know, changed things for me. And I got to experience things on, on a whole nother level, just being a nurse. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, listening to what patients go through and actually, you know, feeling through them, you know, whatever. And, and I will never forget it. I had this one, um, couple, the elderly couple, and they always used to tell me, you know what the secret to a really happy life is? And I was like, what's that? And they're like, always be with your best friend for your partner. Always, always be with your best friend and just enjoy the time that you have together. And that kind of like sparked something in me. And I was like, you know what? I couldn't have said it any better because my husband is absolutely my best friend in the entire world. And we can talk about anything. And it's one of those places where you don't have to have uh, the duality. You don't have to have two separate personalities at work and at home or, you know, around your friends and at home or, or whatever. That's my, um, like happy place, my husband and my kids and getting to appreciate that on a different level and appreciate literally anybody that comes into my circle, even if it's for, you know, an hour or a week or whatever the case may be, they were sent to me for a reason or put in my path or in my life for a reason. And so, you know, I guess that's where it started, but just appreciating literally everything and giving thanks every day. You know, I, I have a roof over my head. I have clothes on my back. I have food in my stomach. I have beautiful nature to look at. You know, I, I, I have amazing family, you know, and, and those things like every day, that is what I give thanks for. So I don't know, simple, I guess. It wasn't just one particular thing. It was just like a series of things throughout my life that just put me there. Did it take you years to understand that or was it a, a short period? I mean, because everybody has a different timeline. Um, I would say for me, it, it took a while because, um, you know, it, pro it probably wasn't until my late 30s that I got to that point and mm. I'm 50 now. Um, but it was, it's, it was a journey. It was definitely a journey, but then the older that you get, I guess, the more that you look at things and you're like, ah, oh, you know what? Like I've been so lucky and so, so blessed. Like, 
yeah, all these other things happened in my past, but yeah, that also taught me what not to accept for me anymore. Um, what kind of people not to let into my life or what kind of, um, like me, I don't do drama. So if you have a lot of drama, do not bring your baggage to my doorstep <laughs> because I don't do drama. I just don't. I, I don't allow it. We don't allow it in our lives. And that makes life so much more beautiful. It really yeah. does. And yes. it eases things. And I think that's like so many people are just constantly focused on you have to be on social media every day and you have to see what people are saying and, or posting or if somebody liked your post or not, or if somebody thinks you're cute or if somebody thinks you're dressed well or whatever. Like I just got to the point where I don't care about that because that's the shallow world. What I care about is is somebody's heart and soul that they portray to me through who they are and whether they're a genuine person or not. That's what's important. It's Absolutely. not everything else. Yeah. I'm going to be turning 43 uh, this weekend. Oh, and happy early birthday party. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, 9-11. Mm. It's a good day. Mm -hmm. um, but that's really not the point of what I meant to say is so much that I've started to realize these things on a deeper level that even though we may feel um, a pull to post or say something or like something or comment it's it's not that it's wrong it's just that you're giving it energy right and at the end of the you're day wanting, people want verification yeah it, and i don't need that <laughs> yeah it's sort of an artificial way because it's a drug and i mean if you want to look at agendas this is about rewiring your brain Right. You exactly. make it a Pavlovian dog to essentially um, be stimulated impulsively to uh, an artificial validation or verification, like you said. Right. And it's like, it's like there's some people that live to, with the, with the dog analogy again, like salivate mm -hmm. over how many likes they get or whatever you're looking for other people to validate you when you should be validating yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I have a good friend of mine who I've been working with for the last, well, I'd say God brought us together three months ago and I can't quantify in words the value of that experience because it's, it's literally changed me forever. Mm -hmm. And she, she's an older woman, but she's a mother. And um, in some ways, I mean, I can't even tell you the coincidences that it's like, okay, God, <laughs> you know, um, fine. I listen, I listen. And she put up with all of my, um, you know, brattiness. And I want to say that brattiness, but, all of my um, 
Stubbornness. Stubbornness and also the defenses that I had built up. Right. Because for, 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 Your protective walls. Yeah, and it's pretty intense. I mean, I, I've been able to unpack those layers a little bit more. But what she's been to me is a compassionate parent that has mirrored a healthy mother mm-hmm. nurturing energy. And it's it's not only mother, it's really feminine in that it's um, it's exactly what I needed to be able to look outside of myself. and mm-hmm. uh, And I've been the same to her in a different form. But that's neither here nor there. What I wanted to say was that we had this conversation today about, she said, John, you know, you have a very big influence on social media and this, that, and the other, and that's fine. But she said, you know, where you really give your energy, um, your attention is where the energy is going to flow. And it's what you were talking about. It's like, once you invite that in, it, it sort of begins to feed itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, it needs to be fed. And if you don't feed it, you'll starve it. And mm-hmm. it'll, well, you can say it'll go elsewhere. But the truth of the matter is you don't give it energy so that it can't grow bigger, right? right. And it right. sort of fades in the background and something else comes in and replaces it. And that's really... Not only is that true, but it's really, uh, it goes back to the child who creates. Mm -hmm. That's the creative force within each and every one of us. It's like, what kind of world do you want to live in? Well, we create that world that we want to live in uniquely and individually as well as collectively. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I've learned is that it's, you know, for, look, you know, we talk about these things not because they exist in a vacuum, but they're real lived experiences where, you know, people may be hearing what you and I are saying. It's like, well, that all sounds great and good, but this is my life right now. And uh, what can I do? And it's like, that's the question you have to answer. Right. Because and that's you, something that you have to answer yourself. That's right. Because no mm-hmm. one else can answer that for you because you know you better than anybody else. And right. the truth of the matter is if you go seeking outside of yourself for someone else, such as a savior or a leader or a politician or an icon or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever, or a system, um, you're delegating your authority away to someone else to make decisions for you. No different than a child who is not loved by his parents. that's going to go and seek that love in some form outside of itself. And the person that's going to talk to them is not going to have the best interest that the parent will have. Right. That's very Uh, true. And that's kind of, we're in this, well, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, nobody is going to have a better vested interest than you yourself. And you have to figure out what it is that you need and what do you want out of life and what are you holding on to um, that's causing you stress, anxiety, depression, sleeplessness, um, anger issues, whatever the case may be, whatever it is, you need to learn to let go of it. So if you're concerned solely about other people's opinion and am I am I skinny enough? Am I pretty enough? Am I this? Am I that? You don't need that validation from other people. You need to learn to love yourself. And so those are things that each and every person has to figure out for themselves. 
Absolutely. It's unique to the individual to do that. One of the things I, I wish to tell people is like, you're, you may, let's say, I'm just giving this an example. Say you're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or some social media platform, and I, I'm just using this example. And you post something that you believe to be true, and you get resistance back from it. There's a lot of times people are looking for validation themselves right. in their views that are energizing and provoking someone to come at them right in order whether they're conscious of it or not and one of the things i had to learn is that i had to go through my own progression of this where i had a woman who i mean women uh, let me just say i'm not women, coming down i'm not women, coming down no on no women. no i know exactly what you're going to say and i'm going <laughs> to say it first and I have said this on my show many, many, many times. Women are bitches. <laughs> Just straight up they are because they're catty, they're hateful, they're nasty, and they will literally cut a bitch. For no apparent reason yeah. other than just because the wind blew the wrong way. Yeah, And that is why... I don't have a lot of female friends because most of them come with a lot of drama. Well, you now can the go, ones that yeah. don't and the ones that are in my circle know, and they know very well. Um, but it's easier for me to be friends with man because I don't play the female games. I don't right. subscribe to that kind of stuff. I will never ever disrespect someone and their personal space because of what they look like or what they wear or whatever. That's childish behavior. And I just don't play that way. Mm -hmm. So. No, this is, I mean, I, because of my wiring and this is the past story, right? That I get baited into conflict with people who are, right seeking validation in their own way, which is to be contrary to right. the the fact, let's just say you're putting something out there about, I'm just using an example, COVID-19 and the lockdowns or right. the truth about this or that or the other. And then there's going to be, there's always going to be somebody, man or woman, but mostly women <laughs> who are going to, who are going to, who are going to, uh, make a claim against you in relation right. to something that they feel and or think both but the thing is is that what i had to watch myself do is i go my god why am i even responding to this nonsense exactly. yep. not because she's a woman i mean this particular one was like oh this is patriarchal and i was like oh jesus christ Exactly. But, I'm I'm not about the feminist movement either. So there you go. Right. And so it's like sitting here going, if you give it energy, you are validating it, even right. if you're resisting it. Right. And so that's where you need to look as to why you want to do this with a complete stranger who knows nothing about you, who's making a judgment right. about you that is completely artificial and subjective to their own opinion. And if you if it takes you having to go through that and see the absurdity in it. But here's right. the thing. If you don't feed them, they'll go somewhere else. Right. 
And that's where you want them to go. Yeah. And people that know me know very well, I have a lot of haters. I have a lot of <laughs> trolls and they literally follow me everywhere. And I just really don't care. They call me every name in the book. They've told me they wanted to gut me in the tub oh, and let Jesus me bleed Christ. out. And, you know, I get some great, great people. And I'm just like, you know what? Okay, have a nice day. <laughs> yeah. Like, I just really don't even care. Okay, so you're uh, not only hateful, but you're also a, a psycho. That's totally fine. I, I just don't care. I don't give them the time of day because when you do that, it takes away your energy and turns it into negative energy that they mm -hmm. feed off of. Mm -hmm. And we are we are very much energy beings. Yes. And I'm sorry, but you are not going to fuck with my energy. Well, just not going to happen. I, yeah. I'm not going to let anybody have it. And just like this, we were talking about earlier with the whole fear agenda that's been going on lately. Mm -hmm. um, I don't subscribe to that. Because I live every day of my life just like I always have, happy, go lucky, and I just do my thing. And you can just, if you want to live in fear, get, that's on you. Mm -hmm. Go right ahead. But I choose to live and not be afraid of like literally everything. I'm just not going to do it. No, it's it is a it's a horrible way to live, not just on a personal level, but on a world level. Right. It's it's having to let go of all the things that you cannot control and affect because right. the only person that you can control is you. You can't control anybody else. You can't even change the way people feel about things. If you're wanting to I, I kind of look at it this way. If you're wanting to help people. Because that's maybe that's the justification, right? Because people go, right. well, I'm just trying to help wake up people. Plant the seed and walk away. Right. You, you And here's, here's what I tell. That's literally all your job is. That's, that's all it, it is. You are, you are preparing their mind for the next speaker. That's what it is. If you look at your own life and your own shortcomings from now, from back then to now, how many times did it have to be said in how many different ways before you finally got it, right? Right. Absolutely. So, so that's the thing. It's like, God, if you, if you, like, I'm taking everything you said, not just turning it around on you, but I, I believe it. It's like, if this person came into your life and you said something very ignorant to them, right? That was right. so stupid. You even regretted it. And you're like, right. oh my God, I, I wish would, I could. I would, if it was me, I would completely be like, oh my God, that was literally the dumbest thing I've ever said. But I'm it was probably sorry. the best thing that they needed to hear Yeah, at the time considering where they were and where you were. And so this is where we have to look as to let go of things that we cannot control or change how somebody reacts or feels. But exactly. what it did was for you and them, 
even though you may not look at it at the time going back at it, like going, oh God, I still, it's to like go look at the blessing of it, which is it moved you further in your direction and it hopefully moved them in their direction that they needed to go, which is I need to get away with, I need to get away from kind of people who talk to me this way. It's, you're never going to know at the time, but it's truly, it's truly, what happened and then you have to just say okay that's what happened i don't have to judge it good or bad it's what happened and here i am today i'm still alive it's no different than look at it this way you went through so much shit i mean in my life i went through so much shit that statistically i should never survive i should have been a meth addict i should have been a prostitute i should have been uh you know potentially a killer um, I mean, I'm I'm willing to admit that about myself because of the the thing that I had. Thank God was that my father worked. If right. I didn't have a father who worked and that it beat me, I would have probably turned out to be a very different person. But mm-hmm. the but the fact of the matter is, I survived that for which I went through, no different than you or anybody else. And you are alive right now and have the opportunity to do something about it that you couldn't do back then. You didn't have a choice before, but you have a choice today. That's Mm -hmm. the difference. Yeah. And that's, that's a hundred percent life lesson for absolutely anybody that listens to this, um, is that you always have a choice in the matter. Um, and you can choose to do something that's positive and do something that's good. And like I said before, even if you, uh, help one person, whether it be, you know, through knowledge or, uh, through a good deed, like somebody got a flat tire and you know how to change one, change it. Um, you know, giving somebody a coat if they don't have one, whatever the case may be, don't do it for a selfish reason. Do it just because it feels good to do something and then you're also changing yourself. So even if you teach somebody something they didn't know, you're doing good. Yeah. And you're you're furthering yourself because you're making yourself become a better person by helping other people. And to me, that's what life is completely all about is that I have myself completely straightened out and, you know, on a, on a great level, as far as I'm concerned, maybe that sounds a little narcissistic. Um, but I am, I'm going to pat myself on the back right now, (laughs) but being able to, then in turn, give back and help other people in whatever way you see fit. And sometimes it's not through doing things or teaching things. Sometimes even a kind word, a smile, hi, how are you doing? Those things go a hell of a lot longer way than what a lot of people know. It has such a positive effect on people because you just raised your vibration and you raised theirs because they may have not had anybody be nice to them for a very long time or even look at them and you just help that person just by something that simple. Yep. You're a node on a network. You're a connecting point to something that they didn't have that moment before for which you didn't know. 
And right. by your selfless act alone, it's like you're 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 depositing. You know what you're doing. It, it's it's if you look at it on a, an adult level, it's a little bit harder because oftentimes we kind of see things so so complex. But if you go down to a child, it's like every act of love you give is a deposit of gold in the bank for that child's future. And and you don't know what trajectories you're changing as a result of that. Um, I can tell you as a, as a child of abuse from a mother and father who uh, by all accounts did not love me, but wanted to, or at least my mother said she wanted to, she was mentally ill. And it was all in the kindness of strangers throughout my entire life that gave me hope. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was suicidal at seven years old. I was in a hospital at eight. Um, and when I say a hospital, it wasn't a padded cell, you know, straitjacket. Right. But I was among children that were 12 and 13 years old who had been having sex for money with men since they were nine and 10 years old. Right. One of the girls, Becky, she was, uh, I. I had an identity with her because she was so beautiful and yet sad. And then the other girl, Jennifer, she was at that time, even at 13, was on her way to becoming a sociopath. She mm-hmm. loved to hurt people's feelings. Um, and I, and I, you know, this is back in the 80s in Louisville, Kentucky. This is not in New York City or anywhere else. These problems have been with us for so very long. And I, I try my best in all the stories that I tell to people. It's not just about me. It's about this is a child abuse system that preys upon the very thing that we love, which is our mother and father. No matter what they do to us as children, we will still love them as children. The right. adult in us is the one that has to reconcile with the inner child in us. This is the problem that we face today. Mm-hmm. Is that that inner child that has been silenced and muted is the one that the adult in us has to come in and rescue and love in the way that the mom and fa- the mother and father could not do were incapable right. of. If you believe that your mother and father loved you, uncond- or let's just say they did the best they could, I'm willing to take that as your understanding of things. I'm not judging that but understand that their limitations were the fact that they had certain understandings because of their parents before them who right. also traumatized them. And those parents had parents who had traumatized them before them. Right. And so it's a cycle of abuse that is through the unconscious because we do evil acts to each other, not because we're consciously aware of the evil that we're doing, but because we're ultimately in many cases, uh, are compelled to repeat the very thing that was done unto us thinking that we're doing the right thing. Yeah. And I, where a lot of abusers like that, um, that is how they were taught mm -hmm. as, as children, that that is how you show love. Yes. That's that's exactly right. That's how you show, and and people don't understand that. Trust no. me, trust me, I get that. But that is how the the human psyche works, and that is how they were they were taught um, repeatedly throughout generations right. that this is how 
this is how we love one another. This is how whatever. And, and to them, it's not a sick kind of love. This is the only way that they ever this is all have they known, know. Right. Yeah. To, to show love. And it, it's the same thing with, um, with like, take the abuse out of the situation. And it, it's like, um, generation after generation of, of drug addicts mm-hmm. and, um, they cook meth in front of their kids or, you know, shoot up in front of their kids or whatever. And, and that becomes their quote reality mm-hmm. of how to love and care for their kids. That's because that's all they've ever known. That's nobody has ever sat down <clears throat> with those people and shown them like this is really how you parent and this is really what love is. And let me, let me teach you, let me show you, these are the things that parents do and, and you cook meals and you provide them a safe place to sleep and whatever. People don't know that because they, they weren't raised that way. No. And that's, that's really generations. That's really important because I think a lot of times we judge things from the outside in relation to what we think. And that doesn't mean that we can't determine something is helpful or harmful. That's the other thing. It's, it's that we don't have to accept that as being the norm, but to understand that what you just said, the, the other part of the equation that, that I guess gets missed is that that child sees its mother and father and can only love them. This is the part that's the hardest attribute of trauma is that at least in my, in my view is that that child can only see love in them. Right. Because mommy and daddy can't possibly not love me. If the child, and I'm just saying this as somebody who has dealt with this on a level that I don't, I don't wish for anyone is that I loved my mother and father in spite of what they did to me. Now, not as a conscious choice, believe me when I say this, the child does not have a conscious choice or a say in the matter. The child has to believe that it's mother and father love them while they're burning with a cigarette, while they're beating them, while they're sexually molesting them. Because Mm -hmm. if the child does not comes to a different conclusion that child will begin to die it will try to kill itself because it cannot conceive that its mother and father the two people that are tasked with loving it could ever violate that for which the child only knows which is love and the child will bury that truth Mm -hmm. Right. And they will banish it from their knowledge. There's one thing I, I do want to read this. There is something, I'm not going to read all of these. There are, it's called The Roots of Violence. You should look it up online by Alice Miller's 12 points. And she introduces this thing. She says, for some years now, there has been proof that the devastating effects of traumatization of children take their inevitable toll on society, a fact that we are still be- forbidden to recognize. This Mm -hmm. knowledge concerns every single one of us and, if disseminated widely enough, should lead to fundamental changes in society, above all, to halt in the blind escalation of violence. The following points are intended to amplify my meaning. Now, 
I'm not going to read all of them, but I want to read this last one because I felt that in all conclusions that this is what it is. People whose integrity has not been damaged in childhood, who were protected, respected, and treated with honesty by their parents, will be, both in their youth and in adulthood, intelligent, responsive, empathetic, and highly sensitive. They will take pleasure in life and not and will not feel any need to kill or even hurt others or themselves. They will use their power to defend themselves, not attack others. They will not be able to do otherwise than respect and protect those weaker than themselves, including their own children, because this is what they have learned from their own experience and because it is this knowledge and not the experience of cruelty that has been stored up inside of them from the beginning. It will be inconceivable to such people that earlier generations had to build up a gigantic war industry in order to feel comfortable and safe in this world. Since it will not be their unconscious drive in life to ward off intimidation experienced at a very early age, they will be able to deal with attempts at intimidation in their adult life more rationally and more creatively. I read the book, Drama of the Gifted Child, For Your Own Good, and The Body Never Lies. These are three of her seven books. And while it doesn't point to the answers, it points to a clarity that all of us can understand, is that the emotional reality of our childhoods, for which most of that was banished from us at the time that we experienced it, the real suffering and pain and rage is what creates the compulsion to repeat it in adulthood. And what I wish to tell people, at least in this podcast and every podcast that I, that I do when this subject is brought up or when I talk about it, there are therapies out there today that are not in modern psychology, although licensed therapists often do them, and that is havening technique which you can look up on YouTube. There's one from Paul McKenna. There's also other ones called How Does Havening Work? There's a man from New Zealand. These elicit delta brainwaves. He explains the science behind them and how the trauma in our brain is actually activated perpetually through cell receptors in the abdulla obligata, which mm -hmm. affect our penile gland and create the stimulation and the repetition of trauma over our entire lifetimes until such time we decide not consciously on a mental thought level alone, but on an emotional level to begin to recede that for which we have always been under a guard of defense and it has become our reality. Havening technique should be learned by every single human being out there. It should be practiced in schools. It is not something that is a doctrine. It is simply this. You elicit delta brainwaves in the body throughout the mind and everything else, and you actually make those cell stress receptors go back into the cell, and they dissolve and expel themselves out of the body to permanently mm -hmm. end that traumatic effect. The other thing is emotion freedom technique. 
It was developed in nineteen late 1970s. It has been evolved and enhanced by matrix re-imprinting, for which there is a book on written by Carl Dawson and another author. I highly recommend people learn emotion freedom technique. Some people call it tapping. There's different methodologies to it. The other thing that I can tell you is that um, we have to think on a higher level about the solutions that we wish to bring into the world. It is not a mechanical one. It is a creative one. And it is one that is found within you first because your lived experience above all else, is the greatest teacher and gives you the greatest authority, which gives you the authenticity that people hear when they hear your voice because you have lived it and you have survived it and you have answers that you have found for yourself that have worked and could potentially work for other people. Mm -hmm. Um, I got into filmmaking because of the trauma that I endured like many artists, because we didn't go through the program evenly like everybody else. There was something about us that said, there's something not right here. And I perceive reality in a different way, but staking your position in opposition to everyone else is not the way to live. In fact, that it'll limit you in such a way that it will be a life lived in denial that will cause you to miss the opportunity that is presented to you. All of us have our blindnesses and weaknesses because of the limitations of our conscious mind, but yet there is something beyond here, something that is within us and beyond us and around us that surrounds us and binds us all together. And I'm not coming from this as a new age position. I am very Christ-centered. I'm very much a follower and believer of Jesus, but I also believe in this time for what we're about to go through, not just now, but going forward, that we must realize that we are the true sons and daughters of the Creator, for which has been hidden from us by these monstrous satanic people at a higher level than we can really conceive of. I'm not talking about just pedophiles. I'm not talking about the psychopaths in our world. I'm talking about the powers and principalities that are mentioned in Ephesians 6.12. They know what we are. They know what we're here to do. And they have their reasons and their justifications. But let me tell you something that's very true. Those individuals who worship that power and who surrender to it because they find power in the third dimension of materialism, Mm -hmm. they cannot perceive the quantum field of the Holy Spirit. And when you access that, even by asking for it to come, it will be brought to you. Because God does not abandon his children. He has never stopped loving any of us. Who am I? I can tell you as someone who is no different than any other sinner out there. Who am I to say that I am a person of God when God kept reaching out to me every step of the way and never stopped loving me? I am nobody. I am not someone who is a holy man or someone who is anointed with the spirit or the will of God, I was called like every one of us is called at every moment of our lives. And we answer that call by surrendering and 
the repentance that they the authoritarian church says is repent and believe as though you have shame, blame, and guilt. Well, let me just tell you this. It's none of those things. It's looking at the truth. And once you see the truth, it is so very clear what it is. And the truth is what sets you free. The opposite is what the Luciferian doctrine is, which is we need to free you so that you indulge in all of your pleasures and desires. They have replaced pleasure They have replaced joy, which is the true being of what you are when you're born into this world with pleasure and impulse. Mm -hmm. And what what I will tell people is if you really want to know the depths of what this is, it was given to me by a 40 year veteran in Hollywood. It's written on Corey Diggs' website. It's called, What Are You? What Are You Really? And he lays out in three three to four paragraphs what this world really is and what you truly are. And at the bottom of that is a video by Ronald Bernard, who was a man who went all the way to the very top to the 8,000 people who run this place. And he wanted everyone to know the truth about our reality and that we are the real power. We are the battery that they suck the life out of because of fear of dying and mm-hmm. all their horror is that is given to us is a total false illusion. You cannot die. You never will die. The form of the mortal, the human, is what will, as is the tree or anything else. There is no permanence in this density, in this reality. It's right. always in a constant state of change. But you are also of the being, the formless, the eternal. And that's the part where we must realize where we come from is that creator who made us in his image. We are worthy sons and daughters, not unworthy, not sinful. And that we have to continually live under the thumb of the church or I'm not discounting the community around the church. What I'm saying is to Catholics, Jews, and everyone else is to say this, one or two hours a day on the weekend, And calling everyone to come to you is not what Christ did. He went and was with all of the adulterers, all the sufferers, all the thieves, all the beggars, all the lepers. He spent his time with them and he said, I am the shepherd of my sheep and my sheep will listen to me because I will lay down my life for my sheep. Who were the sheep? The lowest of the low. And when one of them went running away, He would leave the rest of the flock to search day and night, high and low, no different than a parent to a child, and would find them, rescue them, and bring them back. And he said, I will do it again and again and again. And if we live ourselves in this image, we will bring forward a higher trust society beyond anything that we can imagine today. And I agree with you. And I think... (sighs) That's exactly what needs to happen is that uh, people need to go back to their faith, return to their faith, or get faith. And literally every day when I pray, I always pray that he comes to the people that are most in need or the Mm -hmm. most um, confused, the most problem-laden the most health-ridden, anything like that. And I'm like, please reveal yourself to them and and let them know you. And, you know, let 
let them ask for let them ask for your help and to accept you into their world and you know a lot of people don't understand because they don't have um that level of faith but i will say for me um and like i said before it's it's not about building it's not about going to a place it is about my connection with him on a private level mm-hmm. and i pray every day and sometimes multiple times a day any time that i get the whim you know as somebody tells me like so and so sick or whatever i immediately will say a prayer and people people discount that a lot and they're like oh that's a, like thoughts and prayers thoughts and prayers like really snarky. Mm-hmm. Okay, but I'm also at peace in my life. And I I love my life. I love my world. And I respect you even though your attitude may be negative toward me. Mm-hmm. I'll still pray for you that you receive what it is that you need. And, and a lot of people don't understand that. They don't understand that connection but for me and you know a lot of people are like oh how could you be spiritual because you cuss you drink beer oh oh, oh, oh. (laughs) that is because i'm a human um human are not infallible however i choose to live my life based on what makes me happy um, and not based on what you think my life should be. Yep. People who go around doing that are really trying to convince themselves inside that they're a good person in right. relation to other people. And actually, that's what you're going to see in this new age deception as it unfolds is the Luciferian doctrine of separateness and betterness than others. Right. Oh, oh, wait, on that note, I had a friend send me a little ditty this evening that one of the ex-executives from Walmart is looking for property to buy out in the desert so he can build a, quote, utopian society Mm -hmm. where... um, Everything that they do in this society, you will own nothing and you will like it, but your work will contribute to the infrastructure and the good of the society. Mm-hmm. And it's like this whole, it's like a, it's like a really terrible movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the crap movies that have come out lately. And I'm just like, for the love of Pete, but you know, there will be people that, oh, that yes. want to move there. This- Thank you. No, I like my place in the country um, where I can see deer and eagles and stuff like literally every day. I don't need your utopian society. Nope. Don't yeah. care. People who seek power do so over the powerless. And, exactly, and they seek to disempower them. This is all like uh, what this time, part of what 
this time is, is we're going to be seeing the rise of cults, especially among mm-hmm. those who are sociopathic and psychopathic because oh, yeah. um, there are so many people out there seeking answers. I mean, I saw this in Los Angeles when I was on my way out in 2019, the, the, um, the meditation groups and, um, and I, I, I saw some really dangerous people because their, their belief in things. See, this is the thing about cults that makes them so attractive is that there's always truth in everything, especially mm-hmm. at the beginning. But, um, as the cult uh, evolves or, or sort of unfolds, the leadership is probably some of the most toxic and sick individuals. Uh, but they have the nice face and they speak the language of virtue. And I mean, you'll even go as far as to take homeless people into your cult um, because, because you're doing good. Um, but the cultural Marxists uh, that exist today are going to uh, be drawn into Satanism and New Age on a level that most of us are. I'm not saying you're going to see it in the news, but it's going to be a feature of our time uh, wherever it is that we're going and however this will conclude. And I'm not talking about in an election cycle. I'm talking over the next three to five to maybe even 10 years that right. um, this just when you shake up society and you break down so many illusions that people have been accustomed to for decades, uh, you're going to get negative results and you're going to get positive results. And, the thing is, this is like I said, is that you can't worry about those that are going to fall into those things. What you can do is affect the space around you. And if you heal yourself, you will heal others. Mm-hmm. In fact, I truly believe that the Bible as limited and, and I know this is gets into a very heated debate, but I, I tell people this, I'm going to like, I'm going to, I'm going to make one observable fact the vatican is its own statehood it has its own financial system and it has its own legal system among many other things and it has more Mm. money than you can imagine and if you believe that those that's not just today we're going back hundreds if not thousands And if you believe that those people who have paid out $2 billion in child abuse, molestation, and rape and torture of children settlements among those who were able to collect on that settlement, right? that you think that they're going to tell you anything of what you truly are, you're out of your mind. Mm-hmm. So, and, and Catholicism has actually dominated most religions, believe it or not. But I, I tell people to do their own research, but if you... If you look into the Bible and you and you see, you take from it the, the universal truths. If there's one thing to read in the Bible, it's the, the gospel of John, because that's really, truly the heart of God. And you measure that against everything else. You're going to come away with the understanding that there isn't a separateness to all of us, that Jesus lives in you. Mm-hmm. And this is the the thing that they have told you is that it's separate from you, outside of you. It was a story. My question is: is it is it a story that existed two thousand years ago, or is it something? And if so, when did it end? Right. And 
I wish to, to, to share with people that in this time, it is really about your brother's keeper, those around you that you truly love and care for. It's not about condemnation. It's about invitation. It's about bringing forward the best in yourself, which will bring forward the best in people. And the truth of the matter is this, is that if you walk with Christ and you, as flawed as you are as a human being, you continue to seek deeper answers with those teachings, you will heal people on a level that you don't realize today because you will have healed yourself and you will have shown yourself with evidence that it is possible. And you'll be able to give that healing to other people, both in your words and your deeds. That's all it really comes down to is it's not some supernatural power, although there is that aspect to it. But on the practical level, it is so profound what Christ was saying or what was said in those texts. And I do believe, well, I don't just believe, I know that they have watered them down quite a bit. Mm-hmm. in order to deceive the masses into believing that you should be like Jesus, but carry much guilt and shame, but you don't want to end up like him because obviously he was nailed to a cross. And exactly. that does, And I, I'm not saying that as though you can't revere the cross and the suffering, but what I'm saying is that the Catholic Church it, of right. all things is what holds the crucifix up in front of you. And see, we they know this because I did a whole big thing. Um, even though I was raised a Catholic, woo boy, um, I did a lot of research on the Catholic Church, and I did an episode on that. So people should check that out. Uh, it wasn't on my show; it was on conspiracy or just a coincidence with Jack Allen. We did a really awesome show on that. But yeah, the Pope we have now is literal Satan, in my opinion. Oh, yes. That man, that man is evil incarnate, and anything that comes out of his mouth, uh, yeah, like cover your ears because he is spewing pure, pure negative evil energy. So do not listen. And let me say this, it's also by design because they will split the church and collapse it when the time is right. Definitely, because they want the one world religion Mm -hmm. and Christianity is not it. So, Mr. Paul, we have to wrap up for this evening. I I appreciate your time. I could literally talk to you for like 24 hours straight. Um (laughs) However, I would need a porta potty to sit on, uh, yeah, like a bedside commode and just sit here in front of the computer. Yeah, just saying. Um, teeny bladder. So, where can they find you? Where can they find your films? Mm-hmm. So, if you want to follow me on social media, um, I'm most active on Instagram right now. I'm banned on Facebook and, uh, I am on Twitter, but I'm going to be getting, I'm going to limit my social media. I'm at no restrictions. If you want to find me there, I'm on almost every platform, uh, Gab and that sort of thing. But again, I don't, I'm limiting my social media exposure and and time on them. Uh, If you want to find my work and you want to find my films, 
You can go to uh, norestrictionsent.com or just search No Restrictions Entertainment. If you want to connect with me on different levels, and there's a lot of good resources on there, I'm on Linktree forward slash No Restrictions. I have a movie right now. If you want to support my work, there's two, two films. There's A Child's Voice, which we really didn't get into. What That was the movie that I did on human trafficking of children. It's a supernatural thriller. The road to redemption is through love in that movie, and it's a beautiful film with a beautiful message. The second thing you can do is right now I'm doing a movie that I'm going to release later this fall called Game Day. That's a movie that is about an Italian-American family uh, from Philadelphia that gather every Sunday to watch their beloved Eagles take on their rivals. And in this one, it takes on the Dallas Cowboys. Most important Uh about, yeah, but most important Uh about this movie, you're going to see over four quarters, the real rivalries within the family and the bitter divisions rise to the surface. But it's a movie about truth and reconciliation. And it's done in such a way that is really touching and beautiful. If you want to support us, we're trying to raise the last $4,000 to finish the movie. You can donate $10, $100, $20, whatever you want to donate. We'll give you perks. We'll give you free access to our films and we'll give you a copy of the movie when we're done. Um, Every single person who donates $100 is going to have their name in the credits and they're going to get all of our movies that we've created, all seven of our films. You will get copies of them to download and own. Um, that's where you can find us, but no restrict. You can find the best links are all on Linktree and, uh, Linktree forward slash no restrictions. That's the best one. And there's one other video I'm going to tell everybody to watch. I have it linked there on YouTube. It's called, what can I do? And it takes you to a speech on mind control by John Rappaport in 2014. It is so about this time right now. I watch it every six to 12 months since I first discovered it in 2017. And it's one of the more inspiring speeches that you can listen to today. And I'm just going to say, I would love to have you back. I know you're like a very busy person, but I'd love to have you back for part two, where we talk about your films, Mm -hmm. because you have a very beautiful range of topics that you cover, but I knew that was going to be a whole show in itself. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because we can talk. (laughs) We can talk, but you know what? I also have a podcast that I need to fill up a second season. And uh, Janet, you're a fascinating and a very interesting human being. And I, I think it would be more than wonderful to have you on my show and then have you talk about yourself and your more than your podcast about your life and anything that you want to share, because that's what this is all about is, is learning. And you need to be introduced to the foxhole community. If you haven't already heard about them, they're a great group of people. That's awesome. Yeah, I would be, I would be tickled to be a guest. So for me, and for John Paul Rice, who is such a fantastic person, great guest, love you bunches. Uh, you and I hit it off from the get-go, and I'm so glad we did. So thank you from both of us, and we will see you next time. Have a good one. <laughs>